being the predecessor to all snowboards, as snowboarding took off, this backyard snurfer concept sort of got left behind. Not going to be all snow. A wintry mix is forecast for the listening area. Our go for Wintry Mix 31. I'm your host, Alex Kaufman, in the Vermont Public Radio studio this week, but intern Caroline is still out west, likely riding her bike somewhere. In a moment, we'll welcome Brew Moscarello and Dave Schmidt to talk voodoo balance, the early days of Burton, and a new-slash-old trick they have up their sleeve called the Snurfer. It's sort of the ultimate snowboarding throwback. Stick around. Season two of Wintry Mix is presented by Intopia. Hold on a second. What is Intopia? It's a fair question, Alex. Let's ask the team. Intopia is here to help you sell more and better vacations. Intopia is not a ski resort. Intopia is helping our partners succeed in the ever-changing world of e-commerce. Really good at Mario Kart. Intopia is trusted by ski areas, golf courses, water parks, and more. Intopia is focused on customer service. Let's go ahead and update that price point. And now I'm seeing that product online. Can you confirm you're seeing the same thing on your end? Intopia is... Headquartered in Stowe, Vermont. Where I drink most of my seltzer. International. Named Outside Magazine's 100 Best Places to Work. Intopia is... Dog friendly. Intopia is... Working hard but having fun. Es un grupo de amigos. Intopia is... Always looking for great coders. Designed to be flexible to adapt to ever-changing e-commerce technologies. Intopia is... I'm going to stop talking now. Visit us at intopia.com. We are welcoming Brew Moscarello and Dave Schmidt in the VPR studios for episode 31. Your names, guys, and frankly, your industry lend themselves to uh, nicknames. So what do you guys actually go by here? <laughs> uh, I guess I would be uh, more recognized in the snowboard business as Schmidty. Okay. And I myself, instead of Brew, I'm often referred to as Vu. But as Brew's a- already a nickname. <laughs> Right. Oh, so so brew is nicknamed for what's your your yeah, full I'm name? Okay. <laughs> no way. <laughs> Must be good. I'll have to Google that later. So we'll talk a lot of business today, but first, I feel like I should ask uh, you guys about that first day on a snowboard, um, because we brought you in here to talk about the Snurfer, um, which you guys are, are bringing back to market, which is a very historic item in the in the snowboard world. Uh, but you guys have a long history in snowboarding itself. So uh, that first day on a snowboard, can can you put me there? Uh, I, I can, I think it was at, uh, Snow Valley, uh, which is a defunct ski area near Stratton outside of Manchester. Uh, it was closed at the time. We couldn't afford a lift ticket at Stratton and we, w- we didn't get free passes back in those days. Uh, this is actually after I started at Burton. I hadn't ridden on a Burton before starting there, which you could get away with back in the eighties. Um, and it was a snow filled day and we hiked up and did a ton of runs and had a great time. I uh, ended up about. Oh, well, I was dating my now wife at the time, and we. Uh, she had a little camper trailer at Brody Mountain in, in uh, Massachusetts, Western Mass, and the Irish Alps. The Irish Alps, <laughs> and uh, she invited me up there to the family, and I didn't want to ski. I hadn't been a skier, but I did remember seeing a snowboard ad in the back of a surf magazine. So I, uh, prior to the trip, I purchased one, went up there, and they said, nope, you're not allowed to use that here. So I ended up having to go to the neighboring mountain of Basque, 
where they allowed it. It was one of the first mountains ever. Did that, had a great time, broke my several my broke my butt let's just say but certainly uh ended up and going to stratton to take my first snowboard lesson and then uh, well the story from there is i ended up being a snowboard instructor in the early days at stratton so this was what year approximately 86 for me it was about probably about the same 87 maybe yeah and, and you guys crossed paths pretty early on in your business ventures or, or or things like that how did you guys actually meet in the world of snowboarding uh, I was already at Burton, and then uh, Brew joined the sales team at Burton in 87? Yeah, 88. 88. Yeah. So, and we worked together there, and we actually were housemates down in Manchester for six years. So if I rode on a free five with Sorrells, what year would that have been? That's about 89. Okay. Hmm. What were the those bindings called? They had like the three? The, the, the flex. Three levels? Yeah. The flex. Yeah, flex so bindings, Burton yeah. free five, Sorrells yeah. at Bolton. In the in the late eighties was yeah so. it's yeah, it eighty nine ninety somewhere in there. I think I did it to be cool, but then I think I went back to skiing at the time. Oh, I so <laughs> I, uh, so there's so much history we could dig into with you guys, but the late eighties snowboarding launching you know a sport and a lifestyle. I mean, what were the highs and lows in, in, involved in that? What, what really sticks out in your mind? There's a lot of highs. I mean, it was just a lot of fun. It was a rocket ship ride for sure. Um, you know, and, and you're young and foolish and you have no idea really what's going on in the world yet. And, you know, at one point, uh, fairly soon after I got there in the year of the elite and anybody my age or whatever that rode back then will, might remember this, every single board we sold broke. Um, the, the inserts came out of the boards. They were called the pop-outs. And it was the first releasable snowboard binding. Just we didn't really want it to release. Um, and pretty much every board we shipped broke, and that could have doomed the company. And you know, somehow we we figured out a way to put an insert through the bottom of the board, and uh, you know, re- we repaired every single one. And um, you know, that was a time where you know I was in sales. I was a sales guy for the East Coast, and I was working in production, putting inserts in the bottom of the board because that was the only way we we're going to keep the company going. So that was exciting. And I really didn't know what the hell was going on. You know, you didn't know how close to the edge the company probably got right then, but it was a lot of fun. So that that was the the way that the binding itself attached the, well, to the Well, when we snowboard. went to a high-back binding, okay. okay, that had a lot more leverage because right. you, you're going heelside. And as soon as that leverage was applied, we didn't put any more reinforcement over the top of the inserts. So they just popped out. You know, it was just, just the board hadn't been properly engineered. Um, but there was You a, guys were moving how many units at that time? Oh, you know, it was a few thousand you yeah. know, I don't know the exact numbers, and my memory's not that good. So, but it was a few thousand boards, and they were stacked up all over the place. That's that's amazing. And you were teaching snowboarding during this time, correct, bro? Uh, yeah, I originally started in sales uh, with Dave. Um, my true passion was was for the riding, not for the sales. So, schlepping snowboards in the summertime, trying to sell them in the, in the mid Atlantic. So uh, I got into the instructional land through Stratton Mountain and with, in conjunction with Burton in the early days of, of instructional development. I, I sort of became this, this iconic, uh, if you will, um, snowboard instructor for Burton. And, and Jake would have me uh, teach you know, high-level individuals when they were in town, bankers and so on. But probably the highlight of, of my instructional career was uh, teaching uh, then-Governor Dean, Howard Dean, how to uh, snowboard. How do you do? 
I did quite well. He was quite athletic. First, I put him on a voodoo board, of course, and, yeah. and, and uh, then we ended up taking him out on snow. And I have some, some wonderful photos and memories of, of that in particular. Well, and, and that brings me to what you're focused on right now, uh, the overarching company, Voodoo. Uh, a lot of people are familiar with the, with the balance boards. Mm-hmm. Um, I know I've ridden one. Liam, our producer over there in the corner, has probably ridden one, seen them all over the place. Uh, they serve a lot of different purposes. I mean, what is um, uh, Voodoo up to right now? What's the history of, of, of that brand? Starting with the history, basically it, it developed out of a need um, from snowboard instruction. I had been teaching people how to snowboard for a year or so and saw that most people had no idea what the balance was required to ride a snowboard. Um, so I broke out an old product called a bongo board, which came out in the 1950s, but invented by a gentleman named Stanley Washburn. He uh, brought it to market as uh, through his uh, his connections with Pan American Airlines in the marketing department. Sold quite a few of them, sold them through the 80s. Uh, when he stopped making that, I developed this product and wrote a patent, got a patent on a design for a multi-directional, um, fully rotational balance board. Brought it to market, uh, and uh, that's when Dave and I were living together in in, uh, in a house in Manchester. The house was the production and testing department, the kitchen floor. Is where it all started. How many times you have to replace the floor? <laughs> yeah, it was a rental, so we didn't worry about that. <laughs> and uh, and it was Dave was instrumental in in uh, the helping the, the naming of the product as well. With my nickname being Vu, it was uh, sort of natural to just call it Voodoo. And uh, you know we have some fond memories of, of days in those ki- in the kitchen riding Voodoo boards and 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 you know ripping it up and having a great time. So you sold your first Voodoo board when? Uh, basically, 1990 is when when I sold my first board. And you're moving. I mean, what's the distribution of them right now? I see them everywhere. Yeah, they're 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 quite a bit. We're more more heavily recognized here in the East, but certainly we sell them nationally, internationally as well. And they serve, you know, more than one purpose. Yes, they help you with your balance. I mean, are gymnasts using them? Are people with uh, physical therapy using them? And what's the what's the breadth of, of folks that are actually buying them and using them? Pretty much anybody that can walk can benefit from getting on a balance board on the on the voodoo board. Um, you know, there's there's benefits for everybody. It develops core strength, uh, develops uh, coordination, um, it develops uh, muscle strength around the knees and joints. It actually helps reduce the risk of injury. Um, you know, guys like Kevin Pierce, a former pro snowboarder that had the uh, brain injury, uses one in his rehab. Uh, elite athletes of of all types use them in their training because you add that that destabilization component of being on a balance board. And it really amplifies any other type of training that you're doing. So there's there's not many limits to the type of customer we can sell it to. The core customer obviously is the fitness buff uh, and the uh, the active sports person, um, but really anybody can can benefit from some time on a balance board. Balance is something that can be improved. You know, it's it's like anything else. If you train at it, it actually gets better. So anybody that's in, interested in just improving their balance. That's the thing to do. So if I understand correctly, the voodoo was born out of your efforts to teach snowboarding more effectively. And now um, that product is kind of the anchor product of Balance Designs, your organization, which is taking a new balance-oriented product. I mean, we've all ridden on sleds in our backyard trying to stand up sideways and then hit a rut and then fall on our face or something like that. Or <laughs> Maybe that's just what I do. Uh, but the snurfer. Basically, uh, Snurfer is recognized um, as the predecessor to all snowboards within the industry, certainly. The, ba- the earliest boards were nothing more than a, a bent piece of wood with a rope on it that you would slide down the hill. A gentleman named Sherman Poppin uh, in, 
invented this product back in 1965, brought it to market, uh, did a licensing deal with the Brunswick Corporation, and they sold uh, well over a million of these things uh, throughout a 10-year period. You know, these guys, everybody had a snurfer, and they started racing them, and they started modifying them, and it was that's where Jake and Tom Sims and and that's where they started. You know they had some. You know they had a snurfer, and they would all go. You know there was the Snurfer World Championships out in Michigan, and they'd show up. And then you know Jake showed up one year with a highly modified board that wasn't a snurfer, and Tom Sims had his board, and and that's where it all started. I mean that was the birth of snowboarding right there, and it all came from this product called the Snurfer. Wow, the Snurfing World Championships. We're going to check out some of the snurfers you guys brought with you in one second after we take a break. Be right back. One moment while I pay for some groceries really quick. Wintry Mix receives support from Ski Vermont. Visit SkiVermont.com, follow them on social, or sign up for their powder alerts. SkiVermont.com, winter in its original state. Next, Snowbird Utah, which receives 500 inches of snow annually and is located just 30 minutes from Salt Lake City International Airport. They're also part of the popular 14 Resort Mountain Collective Pass. Also on the team is Peak Resorts. I'm talking Atatash, Wildcat, Mount Snow, Hunter, Crotchet, and Jack Frost Big Boulder. Check out the schedule of fall events at peakresorts.com or consider their Peak Pass to ski all seven this winter. And hopefully you're entering our L.L. Bean promos on the Wintry Mix Instagram page, backpacks, jackets, and more. Be ready. Okay, so these snurfers, you got four of them back there on the wall. They look to be a little bit smaller than a snowboard. Kind of just describe it physically for me. Uh, that they are. They're a bit shorter, uh, narrower. Um, what you see here is some uh, replicas of the originals. Um, back in 1965, Sherman came out with uh, the uh, sunburst yellow snurfer that we now replicate. Um, it's a near exact replica, um, other than the uh, rugged staples that they used to use for grip on the tops of the boards. We've kind of, kind of since modified that. But other than that, the boards is, is a near exact replica. Um, we have a, uh, a new soon-to-be-released racer model that is, uh, uh, came out two years after Sherman first started with, with the, the Sunburst Yellow. And uh, that board is, uh, has, has a fin in the back to help it track better and a little bit wider. And that was, uh, that was one that he, during those, the Snurfer Challenges out west, that was the winning the hot board, the racer. And just to be clear, I assume these are not uh, you know, really designed for ski resorts. They're designed for more backyard slash minor backcountry use. Yes, and that's basically where what the where the fun is, as as we see it. I mean, snowboarding has taken off. Obviously, we all know that, and it's gone to a, to a place where it's certainly resort based. People are starting to go backcountry, certainly, but. We're talking backyards here. We're talking about having fun in just a couple inches of snow. You don't need much snow to ride a snurfer. We have different models. There's a few others here that, that are designed more for backyards per se, um, lighter, more flex to them, larger noses, a little bit wider. Um, and then we have a line, our uh, Powderhound series, which is designed for those backcountry enthusiasts looking to, to ride a bindingless board in uh, in the deepest of snows and uh, when we get we have the snow there's nothing like it and that's probably about as close to 
a surfing concept as you could have on a snowboard like thing. That's the feel. There's yeah, when you get the, when the conditions are right and you, you got everything lined up right and that sun is shining on, on a hill that you just hiked up to to get to the top of and you ride it got a 40 second uh you know run on a snurfer. To me that's epic. That's that's where it's at. How durable are these things? Do you guys have to replace many? Um, no, they're actually made quite well. We make them in Wisconsin. Um, interestingly enough, out of a factory that was about to shut its doors down, it's been a, uh, a, a wonderful feel-good component to what we do. Um, our product's fun, and it's, it does good things. I mean, it's made out of uh, sustainably harvested maple laminates and uh, used marine glues to hold it together, and it's just not going to come apart. I suppose the the probably general lack of speed at which people actually ride them. It's probably a slower in general ride, so you just have less impact. I think it depends on how steep that hill is that you just hiked. <laughs> <laughs> but you're not you're not going to go out on the icy conditions where it's going to be super super fast. You want a little bit of snow on the ground, you know. So uh, it's it's not super fast, no. But uh, you can you can go as fast as you want, really. Yeah. And it really comes down to uh, how fast do you really you can want chatter to go. your teeth one way or another. Sure. Distribution, mostly online, mostly through shops. What's it? What's it at? And what do you see it going to? Um, it's it's both. You know, we we do a fair amount on on surferboards.com. Uh, we've got other online resellers as well. It's going to be available in all the LL Bean stores this year. So if you see an LL Bean, they should have it on the floor. Uh, there'll be a lot of specialty shops out there with it, and uh, hopefully a lot more shops by fall. But you know, we're it's it's. It's one of those things where it's an impulse purchase. You know, you, nobody's really kind of going out looking for a snurfer yet. Um, so we got to get it in the stores or, or out in front of people online so they see it and they react to it and they buy it. It's just a really high-quality sled you can stand on. Exactly. And yeah. it's gift price approximately, right? Yeah. Yeah, they're 100 and, 100 and up, 100 to 200 bucks. Um, there's several price points all the way through that range, several boards through that range. So, yeah, it's not too expensive. It's going to last a long time. And... And, you know, Brew touched on it a little bit, but uh, I've got two kids. You know, they're, they're teenage boys now, and they, they, being a snowboarder, they ski, and it drives me nuts. <laughs> but they didn't have that tool. They didn't have that thing to kind of get them out and get them excited on, on the hills. I took them snowboarding. I gave them lessons. They had all the best equipment, and they still ended up as skiers. As soon as I put snurfers in the garage— they grabbed them, they started riding, and then a few weeks later, it's like, you know, I think I'm going to try snowboarding again. Uh, you know, it's a it's a it's a whole new pathway for people to kind of get out and enjoy the outdoors, enjoy the backyard, but then hopefully learn how to snowboard, which uh, which is what we really really love doing. Well, on that introduction to snowboarding bent partnerships, who has wanted to uh, work with you guys? I'm sure with your experience and connections, you've been reaching out to other folks in the snowboard industry or the resort industry. Any new partners? Anybody surprising coming out of the woodwork wanting to uh, team up? Um, well, we did a collaboration last year with our friends out at Rome Snowboards. Uh, those guys, uh, you know, we all have a history that goes back to the snurf for somewhere. And uh, those guys definitely have that. And they, as soon as they heard what we were doing, they kind of reached out to us and said, you know, we're, what can we do? And we uh, collaborated on a board that put snurfer graphics onto a deep powder board that you could ride with or without bindings. And uh, it was the board's a, a, an amazing board to ride in deep snow. Um, again, with or without, but, uh, and we'll see what else happens with them in the future. What have you changed since you got going? Something you learned and you said, oh, let's shift course and do it this way instead. Anything? Relative to the product? Is yeah, relative to, to the snurfer or kind of how you're taking it to market. Uh, what have you learned in the last couple of years that, that has, uh, have you on better footing now? 
Well, certainly we've started out with the more traditional narrow boards, and they've since gotten wider. Um, there's, there's one of the things you got to keep in mind is that the very as the snow conditions vary, so do the the boards or, or the type of board that you want to ride on. Powder, obviously, a wider board, floaty, more de- designed specifically for that kind of snow. But when you're on only a couple inches of snow, you want a more narrow board, one that gets quicker toe to heel edge and so on. You really kind of float the board more than you edge it as you would a snowboard. So the product design and development is geared around that. It's about finding center. It kind of equates back to riding a voodoo balance board. Find that center and then deviate from there, regardless of the snow conditions. Some are easier than others. What happens if you try to ride a snurfer without holding that rope? Oh, a lot of guys do that. You don't, you don't have to. And it's one of the nice things about the snurfer is that there are no bindings, there are no wedges. It's free. Some guys like to do it without the rope. Me personally, I like to use that rope, whether it be to, to lift up and, and drive the tail down deeper to slow me down um, or, or for dropping in off of little stumps and stuff along those lines. So there's benefits to, to both. All right. You may not want to give away your stashes, but, you know, best places to snurf in Vermont. <laughs> Let's hear them. <laughs> Well, let, let me put it to you this way. Last year, obviously, we didn't have much snow here in, in New England, but the year prior to that was a phenomenal snow year. I've been snowboarding snowboarding for almost 30 years now, and that season, I didn't go to the ski areas once, not because I didn't enjoy going to the ski areas, but because I found this, I was reborn again on this backcountry, backhill, golf courses, little hills in, in, in uh, schoolyards, and then, obviously, getting into some of the deeper, you know, we're fortunate to have these the mountains around here, backcountry, some places up, uh, up. I, I can't tell you how many places, <laughs> but down in the southern Vermont area, we hit them all, I'll tell you that. <laughs> it makes small hills big, doesn't it? It makes small hill big. It makes, uh, it makes, uh, it makes you, you know what it does? It makes you feel like you're a kid again. If I almost envision that mom's going to be calling me for dinner uh, and, and, and I have to run home. Sorry, guys, I got to go. Mom's calling. It's, it's like being, you know, seven, eight years old again. It's kind of fun to go on the hunt, you know, because yeah. you, you look at the landscape entirely differently when you got a couple of the boards in the back and you're trying to figure out where you can ride and you're, you're just looking for that hill all over the place. And you can get a run in between shooting off emails. Absolutely. Well, that was one of the beautiful things about it. I mean, right outside our office, there's there's a couple of hills that we ride and product test. I mean, that's one of the reasons why I didn't have to go to the mountain as as often as I I used to, because I I would get my fix in in a half hour session right outside the door when there's snow, of course. Um, and to Dave's point, my son and I, 12-year-old son, we drive around now all summer long looking at hills. Oh, Dad, there's one to hit. Oh, Dad, let's come back here and when there's snow, that kind of thing. It just changes your, changes your perspective in it. Every hill, every, every – it is such an excitement about it. Has Jake ridden one of yours? Um, he has. I've sent them boards. He's, he's had boards. I don't know if he's per se been on them. Any, res- so. any response of any kind? From Jake personally? From no. Jake or from Burton or yeah, from you know, Burton, yeah. current they, day? They, 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 they recognize and appreciate what we're doing with this category and uh, and paying homage to Sherman Poppin, who incidentally is still, still kicking at, at, I think, 89 perhaps. Um, and we've done this project with his blessings. And that's one of the most beautiful things and from my perspective is to have done this with his blessings and, and his family, uh, their involvement to some extent. Well, let's get you really technical before I get you out here. So your stance. So first of all, what kind of footwear? If you had to pick a footwear, what do you suggest? <laughs> Um, I've got a pair of winter hiking boots. It works perfect. For, for me, uh, I know some of my riders, it's the old-fashioned, good old-fashioned 1970s Sorrells. Yeah. And then you probably have to have a fairly aggressive stance. Otherwise, you've got some heel-toe drag or, or, or not so much. 
Depends on the models that you're riding and the conditions, but yeah, that, that's a component of it. And that's uh, one of the things that really narrows up your, your center of, of gravity and it really becomes part of it. It's almost like, to some extent, like old water skiing um, on those narrow boards, but then our wider boards allow you to get more traditional snowboard stances. Sponsoring athletes, are there any pro snurfers on your team or what? I hope not. <laughs> no, I mean it's that's not what we're about. We're about just going out and having a good time. We really have absolutely no interest in sponsoring anybody with with a snurfer board. It's just about having a good time on snow. So we're not bringing back the world championships, I suppose. No, no, no there is the snurfer challenge. There oh. is the snurfer challenge, which we run at uh, at Stratton Mountain, right with the uh, Vermont Open, and we ran it at Bolton Valley last winter. And it is just a hoot to see anybody that wants to walk up for free, and run down our course and see who makes it to the bottom first. You can come to the Snurfer Challenge. We'll have it again this year. And is that a good way for someone to, quote-unquote, demo something? Yeah, they don't even need to have their own boards to, to participate. They could come, and that's one of the beautiful things about a Snurfer. Stand on it on the smallest hills. Okay, I'm starting to get comfortable. Work your way up. All right, so if you got $100, you got $200, you need a Christmas gift this year for the aspiring or not yet snowboarder in your life, snurferboards.com. Is that the web address? That is it. Thanks for coming up from Manchester, guys. Hey, thanks thanks for, having for having us. Have a good winter. We'll be right back. Thanks to Vu and Schmitty for their time and their passion. You can find out more at snurferboards.com or just use your, uh, your Google finger. That there was episode 31. I'm your host, Alex Kaufman. Wintry Mix has support from Vermont Public Radio and their members with production help from Liam Connors and Angela Evansy. Our theme music is by Adam Levy. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or wherever else you chug these things down. Reviews and ratings are always appreciated, and they're sort of the least you can do. In a couple of months, we'll have snow so we can snurf. Later. Lower your chair and then the armrest goes underneath. I can't do that because I stand it sitting at a bar where it's too low. <laughs> <laughs> Lounging, trying to pick up chicks in the lounge. <laughs> All right, we'll give that a shot. Yeah, we'll try it. Here, this, is, this is better, right? Yeah, that's yeah, yeah. That's we'll make it work. Yeah. How we do? Good. I'm going to try that one more time. After we blow our nose. <laughs> yeah. Make sure you get that. <clears throat> yeah. <laughs>